Amen. Thank you for being such a generous church and constantly blessing our community. Can you guys give yourselves a hand for that? Thank you. Amazing. Well, this morning we are continuing our series, Resilient. Uh, and uh, hopefully you've been journeying with us over the last couple of weeks. But if not, you know, it's okay. You're, you're in the right place at the right time. You're not here by accident. Amen. Uh, turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're not here by accident. God brought you here today because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I believe the word is going to help you, help all of us in our journey of faith this morning. Um, we started this series a couple of weeks ago. And the whole point of it is... The subtitle is Living Victoriously in a Broken World. And we've been looking at the story of the prophet Elijah in the Bible found in 1 Kings where he had to confront the, the ungodly king Ahab who was leading the nation of Israel away from the worship of the God of the Bible to worshiping idols. The god Baal was the main one that they worshiped and, and, uh, and he was the, known as the fertility god or the god that brought fertility and harvest and blessing to the people. And so King Ahab, who's supposed to be worshiping the God of the Bible, turned the nation of Israel to worship this other God. And as a consequence, God raised up a prophet named Elijah to proclaim the word of God over them and, and to proclaim a drought. And he prophesied a drought was going to come to the land. And just as he prophesied, a drought came to the land as judgment against uh, the God Baal and the king that led them astray. And Elijah had to live resiliently in the midst of a world that had gone so far away from worshiping God. And then we saw how God provided for Elijah with a brook during famine to give him water and brought him food through a raven during the day and in the night. I mean, that must have been a trip, right? You know, like Uber Eats just came and delivered his food, right? And it showed Elijah God can provide even in the midst of a drought, even where there is no food anywhere else, God can provide for you. He is the God that provides, not Baal. Amen. And then God sent him to a widow of Zarephath and had God provide for him there. And the widow got to experience the miracle of the jar of flour and the jar of oil not running dry. And even she began to see, wow, your God really is powerful above our God who is in drought right now. He's not doing his job, apparently. But your God is providing. Wow. And miraculous things began to happen. Now, imagine you're Elijah. You'd be feeling pretty good about yourself right about now. Isn't that true? Like, wow, God, you showed up. I prophesied drought. There was drought. Yeah. You know, you brought me water. You brought me food. Wow. And then the, the, the widow, wow, she's starting to see it too. Miracles of flower oil. Wow, God, you're amazing. How many of you know that in our journey of faith, even while God is doing great things and amazing things in our lives, in seasons of our life, we will all face contradictions. And what a contradiction in our faith is, is when God doesn't do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. Or God doesn't do what we want him to do how we want him to do it. Any of you ever experienced a season like that? I know I have. God, what are you doing? How come things aren't turning out the way that I want or the way that I expect? Elijah's about to encounter a moment like that. A high, he's on a high right now. God's doing amazing things, but something's about to happen that is a contradiction or seemingly contradiction to his faith. How he responds gives us insight into how we should respond when we face contradictions as well. It's not if we'll face faith contradictions, it's when and how we respond that makes the difference. And so we're going to pick up the story here in 1 Kings chapter 17. Remember, he was living with this widow now and, 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 and her son, and God was miraculously providing for them uh, through, the, through the, the flour and the oil not running out, miraculously. Verse 17 of 1 Kings 17 is where we pick up the story. Sometime later, we don't know how much later, but sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. Every parent's nightmare. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? 
Give me your son, Elijah replied. So uh, he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. He cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Let's pray this morning as we get into this message. Father, we thank you for your word that reveals to us who you are and reveals to us how we are to relate to you and how we are to live in faith in the midst of this broken world. I pray that through your scripture and by the Holy Spirit, you will illuminate our hearts that we might know you deeper and how we are to relate to you in this season of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing that we see here from this text is we will all face contradictions in our journey of faith. We will all face contradictions in our journey of faith. And these are situations that seem to contradict God's will for our lives. Every single one of us will go through these seasons, whether we like it or not. It's not, it's not you know, are, you're not praying enough. That's why you're facing these faith contradictions. It's not you're not holy enough. That's why you're facing these faith contradictions. All of us are going to face seasons where God doesn't do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. And if you ever face a, a season like that and go, God, if you would just do things my way, the world would be a whole lot better. Anybody? Really? Just me? I'm the only one? Okay, there's a couple honest people in church. Because when, when things don't go the way that I want, I'm like, God, if you would just do it this way, everything would be great. And if you would just answer my prayers the way that I want, the world would be a better place. You know what, God? I think I'd be a better God than you. Let's trade places. And you've ever thought something like that? Now, I've never thought that. You know? and, and, even, and even saying that gets me a little scared. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm just joking. You know? I, I don't mean that. But deep down, we sometimes feel that way, right? God, if you would just do this, and we can think in the back of our minds, I would do it differently. And, and when we say that, and when we think that, we're actually saying, God, you're not doing the job of being God. Let me be God for a little while. I got this. But in reality, he is God. Amen. He alone is God. We don't get to determine how things turn out or how things ought to be. And, and, and when we go through seasons where our faith is tested, when things don't go the way that we want, it really becomes a wrestle where I may, we may think at times, I would do a better job than you. And I think in those moments, God is trying to do something in our faith. When we face these contradictions, God's trying to work something deeper in us and in other people around us. But we have to trust that if he's not doing things the way that we want him to do it, maybe there's a reason. Not maybe, there is a reason behind that. When he doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want him to answer it, he's doing something deeper to shape us and form us. But the first thing that we have to recognize is we're all going to face it. Because one of the things that I, re I, I wrestled with is when, we, when I face contradictions in my life, my immediate thought is, wait, am I not in the will of God? Am I doing something wrong? Am I in the wrong place at the wrong time? Now, it may be, for example, if, you, if you're you know, robbing a bank and you go to jail, don't blame God for that, okay? You did something wrong, and that's, why, that's actually not a contradiction. That's called justice, okay? So if you're doing something wrong and there's consequences to that, okay, that, that, you understand that. But sometimes you can be in the will of God doing exactly what he wants you to do. And you still may face these faith contradictions. There's nothing wrong with you necessarily. And the, and, and the widow was doing the will of God for her life in that moment. God told her, remember last week, you're going to provide for Eli the, the prophet. God commanded her to do that. She was doing that, and she still faced the contradiction in her faith. If you're in a season right now where things aren't going the way that you want, it may not be because you're in sin. It may not be because you're outside of the will of God. It may just be the consequence of this fallen world that we live in, where sin abounds. It may just be the, the natural consequence of a life uh, in, in this world apart from God. And it may be God trying to form something inside of us to shape us for his purpose later on, as we'll see in just a moment. 
But whatever the, 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 the reason behind it is, we're all going to face them. Don't give up on God in the face of contradictions. Amen? Don't turn your back on him in the face of contradictions. Because as we'll see, God was not done with them. He was doing something more profound than they could even perceive in the moment. Right? And so what are some contradictions we may face? Well, obviously, when God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want, when we want him to. Some of us, when we go through health challenges, those are those contradictions in our faith. Or someone that we love is going through something. We go, God, why? Right? Relationship problems. When things happen in relationships, those are all opportunities for these faith contradictions to come in. And then doubt and fear can creep into our hearts. But look at what Jesus said about this. Because the Bible seems to be pretty clear that we're all going to go through seasons like this. Jesus says this here in John chapter 16. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Now there's a promise from the Bible I don't like. Amen. Notice it doesn't say you might have trouble. If you do everything right, you won't. No, he says you will. You will have trouble. We're going to face trials in this life. But look at what he says. But take heart. I have overcome the world. In other words, we can find courage and strength in the fact that even though we face trials in this world, Jesus is bigger than them all. Amen? And he has overcome the world. And if we trust in him and if we follow him, we too will overcome this world and the brokenness and the sin in this world. Don't lose heart in the face of faith contradictions, which are inevitable to every single one of us. There's a story in the New Testament that I think illustrates this as well. Jesus when he was ministering to his disciples, told them all to go into a boat. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, he said, let us go over to the other side, the other side of the, of the lake where they were at. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with them. A furious squall came up or a giant storm came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, were the disciples not in God's will when they faced this storm? No. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. Get in the boat. We're going to the other side. They were exactly where he wanted them to be, and yet the storm came. See, you may be exactly where God wants you to be, and yet we're going to experience storms in our lives. There's nothing wrong with you necessarily. It doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. It could just be the, the, the attack of the pushback of the enemy, the fallenness of this world, whatever. But how we respond in these moments is what makes all the difference. So in the face of contradictions, the second point there in your notes, we often doubt God's goodness and love. Have you noticed that? When things don't go the way that I want them to and God doesn't do what I want him to do, I often can doubt his love for me. Anybody else want to be honest in church? God, how come you did not answer my prayer? Do you not love me? Do you not care about me? Do you not see what I'm going through? Do you not hear my prayers? God, what's going on? Do you not love me? Is there something wrong with me? That's what the widow experienced and as well as Elijah. Back to the verse, verse 18. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Now, remember, in the Old Testament, prophets were representatives of God. And so in talking to Elijah, she was superimposing God in that moment. God, did you come to kill my son? You hate me? Are you judging me? Is that why this is happening? And she wrestled with that. I thought your God was a good God who was providing for us, and now he kills my son. What is happening here, right? She was, she was questioning God's character. Even Elijah wrestled with this. Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Even he wrestled with this. God, what's going on? I thought you were good. I thought you were loving. I thought all these things, and you're killing this widow's son, or you've killed this widow's son. What's happening? And he wrestled with all of this. It's very natural when we face faith contradictions to go, God, don't you love me? What's going on? Have you abandoned me? And I know many of us have faced that. Maybe some of you are in that place right now. 
But can I encourage you? He does love you. He's not abandoned you. And we could spend all day talking about the whys and the what ifs of what, why things are going on in our lives. But don't let the enemy lie to you in that moment by saying God doesn't love you. That's why these things are happening. It's his tactic. It's his whole strategy from the very beginning to get us to doubt God's love for us. We see it again here in that, in that story with the disciples in the boat. Mark chapter 4, verse 36, 38. The storm came up. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. I love this. Jesus is just sleeping through this storm. It doesn't bother him. You know why it didn't bother him? Because he knew they were going to get to the other side. He said, we're going to the other side, so I'm going to take a nap. This storm, I'm going to sleep through it. And by the way, I sleep great during storms, so, you know. Literal storms, not actual life storms. Anyway, I also love that he was just sleeping, you know. So when my wife scolds me about taking naps, Jesus took naps. <laughs> I'm just trying to be more like him, you know. <clears throat> anyway, you can, you can use that. You can share that later. Anyway. But he was in the back sleeping on a cushion. And watch what the disciples said, though. This is profound. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? Not Jesus, get up, calm the storm because we're dying. You don't care about us. You don't care about me. That's why you seem to be asleep right now. You don't care. That's the accusation in our heart. And the lie of the enemy is, is to say to us, God doesn't care about you. He doesn't actually love you. That's what Satan did in the garden, Genesis chapter 3. God doesn't really care about you. Eat the fruit. He's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to become like him. He doesn't want you to know things like he knows. He doesn't actually love you. He's holding out on you. He's trying to control you and manipulate you. God doesn't love you. And whenever we face contradictions in our faith and obstacles and storms that demonic lie will try to creep in god doesn't love you reject that lie in the name of jesus don't allow that lie to take root in your heart because it's the it's the root of all sin when we start to believe that our god doesn't love us and he doesn't care about us because the bible is abundantly clear he absolutely does it's normal to wrestle but don't let that lie creep in and take hold in your soul can i hear an amen to that but he's always going to do it i've seen it numerous times in my life he doesn't love you. He's abandoned you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. Don't believe the lie. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. And take naps because if you, it's nothing else you remember from this message. Take a good nap and remember that God loves you. So how do we confront contradictions in the face of storms that we're all going to face? How do we face them? Two things here this morning or three things. Number one, confront contradictions by remembering the word of God. We have to remember the word of God. We have to look back at what God has said in the face of what seems to be going on in the moment. See, oftentimes we, we judge God based off of our circumstances, right? Instead, we have to judge our circumstances based off of what God says in his word about himself. And when our circumstances look bleak, we have to remember that our God is bigger than any storm. He's bigger than any circumstance. He's bigger than any obstacle that you and I may face. And in the face of those storms, it may seem like he doesn't care about us. We have to look back at his word that says unequivocally he does. So much so that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins in our place, taking it on himself so that we could experience his blessing. Scripture says he became a curse for us so that we could receive his blessing. That's the God that loves you. Amen. And oftentimes we look at the circumstances around us. We need to go back to Scripture rather than looking at our circumstances and gauge our lives and build our lives on what the Word of God says. I think that's what Elijah did here. Because in verse 14 that we looked at last week, God gave, told Elijah, this widow is going to provide for you, right? And in fact, let's look at the text. For this is what the Lord says. The God of Israel says, this, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Elijah got a prophetic word in that moment. <clears throat> where he knew God's going to get this widow and her son through this, this famine. 
and he's going to provide through the jar of oil and the, and, and the flour not running out. So it stands to reason in this moment, if you're Elijah, God, you told me they're going to make it through this drought. Why would you kill her son now? He had to go back to what God had spoken to him. They're going to make it through this. He's not going to die. This boy is not going to die. And something about remembering the word in that moment, I'm sure built faith in Elijah to do what he did next, which is pray fervently for his healing. But, but we have to go back to the word of God. And when we're looking at circumstances that seem out of place, out of whack, we got to go back to what the Bible says about that. And first of all, one of the things we remember is storms are going to come, right? We're going to face trials. Jesus said, you will, right? Okay, so then, okay, that doesn't mean you don't love me. It's just this is part of living in this broken world, unfortunately. And we can hold on to the promises of Scripture on his love for us and how to persevere. But we have to go back to the Word of God. Maybe you're here this morning you're facing a trial of some sort, some contradiction. What does the Bible say about what you're going through right now? What does it say? And you may be sitting there going, I don't know. So I'm in church. Oh, great. Good. Begin to read the Bible. I just had this conversation with my son the other day. You've got to read the Bible so you know what it says so that you can confess the word in the moment when the enemy comes at you. And in the moment of trial, if you don't have any word in you, you have nothing to pull out in the middle of a fight. Right? You don't learn to fight in the middle of a fight. You better train ahead of time before you get into that battle, right? And so we need to train ourselves in the word, getting it into our soul. And in the right moment, the Holy Spirit can draw on that and pull that word out so that you can face the challenge that you're facing right now. But that takes work. Like training for a fight, it takes work. You got to get in the gym. You got to get in there and you got to study and you got to read and you got to be in getting it in. You got to go to small group. You got to come to church. All these things because we need the word of God to face the contradictions that are coming at us. Because Satan, Satan's going to continually lie to us. He doesn't love you. He's done with you. You're not good enough. And we got to remember the word of God says, no, I am a child of God. Bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I am an overcomer in the name of Jesus. All those different things we need in our lives to face the contradictions that we're going to face. And I think Elijah did that. He said, God, you told me they're going to get through this drought. There's no way this boy's dying. You told me you're going to provide for them, and you have been providing for them. There's no way this boy is dying. And I think that gave him faith to do the second thing, which is confront contradictions by persevering in prayer. By persevering in prayer. We need the word of God to give us faith, and then we need to fight by persevering in prayer. Let's look at what happened. Back to the verse, verse 19. He took him from her arms. She handed the boy lifeless to him, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. <clears throat> then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. He prayed three times, God, let this boy's life return to him. Now, many theologians throughout history have speculated the significance of praying three times. Now, I don't know if he literally prayed three times, Lord, let this boy's life return to him, or if it, if, if it was a metaphor for, uh, for, for, because the number three in the Bible is a number of divine completion. When you see something happen three times or something repeated three times, it, it, it implies doing something until it's complete. In fact, one theologian, Matthew Henry, a renowned biblical commentator, suggested that Elijah's threefold prayer demonstrates his persistence, his earnestness in seeking God's intervention. It emphasized that Elijah's repeated prayers show his strong faith and his recognition that he needed to continue pleading with God to bring about the desired outcome, a completeness, an earnestness. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes I pray like one time, God, I need this answer prayer. Oh, never work. 
Never mind then, right? Or we pray two times or maybe even three times numerically. And then what do we do? Oh, this is so painful. I'm just going to scroll through Facebook or Instagram just to not think about it anymore. Anybody else? Or is that just me? Or I'm going to put on Netflix and just binge watch because this is so stressful. I don't want to think about it. I'm just going to drown my sorrows in, in watching whatever show is going on right now. And we, we don't pray earnestly, completely. We give up too early. And I think the significance of Elijah praying three times or, or the text saying about him praying three times is he prayed until it was done. He prayed until completion. We have a, a acrostic that we use when we teach on prayer. It's the, the word push, P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. A lot of times we pray until we get bored, right? <laughs> or we pray until we get tired or pray until something better comes up, right? No, we need to pray until something happens. Some of you have been praying for things for years. I've been praying for a specific breakthrough for about three years now. And I'm going to keep on praying until something happens. But I know what it feels like in the middle of it to want to quit. This is so hard. This is exhausting. Nothing's happening. God, you don't love me because you're not answering my prayer, so I'm not even going to talk to you. We all get to that place. Can I encourage you? Pray until something happens. Don't despair. Go to God in prayer. And I just realized when I said that in the earlier service, it rhymes. Don't despair. Go to prayer. Amen. <clears throat> I didn't plan that. I just kind of came out and I was like, oh, that's, that's cute. We should make a jingle, right? Put it on t-shirts. Anyway, I just gave you an idea. Just, you know, quote me at the bottom. Anyway, that's okay. But don't despair. Go to God in prayer. And that's what we need to do. Don't distract yourself with entertainment. Don't just try to make it go away. I'm just going to go golf because I'm so stressed out. Go to prayer. I mean, you can golf, fine, but make sure you go to prayer. But oftentimes we give up. I give up. Because it's hard, it's painful, it's not happening when I want, the way that I want. Don't give up, amen? Don't give up on God because he hasn't given up on you. Some of you right now are wrestling. I can feel it like, man, I, I, this all sounds great, but this is hard, man. It's hard to wrestle. I know, I know. But don't give up because God will never give up on you, amen? And something about the fight in prayer builds muscles of faith inside of us. Something about having to travail for months and months and years and years, build something in you. I've shared before about my son's health. For, we went through a three-year battle with my son's health. And many times in the middle of that, I got frustrated and I wanted to give up. But having persevered in prayer for three years and then seeing God heal him like he said he would, something was built inside of me for future battles yet to come. And it's given me faith to deal with stuff that we're dealing with now. What, what you're dealing with right now is building faith for future things. For future things. You remember when you were young and the biggest problem, I, I did youth ministry for many years, and every time teenagers, oh, you know, what's, what's your biggest problem? Oh, the girl, she don't like me anymore. <laughs> you know? You know, I, and I, but I remember being a teenager, and like, oh, that's the end of your world. You know what I mean? Oh, no, she's talking to so-and-so now. <laughs> and you say, I don't want to live my life anymore. And now when I hear that, right, we're older now, right? We look at that, we go, brah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Let me tell you how much harder this gets, okay? That is so manini and you're ready to die, right? But, but why do we have confidence now that, oh, I got through the breakup. Oh, life didn't end. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going on. And why? Because you got through it. God got you through it one way or another. Now you have faith for bigger things and you look back at all those small things and you go, come on, dude, right? But what does that come from? It comes from overcoming the, the, the smaller things in life. What we're going through right now, whatever you're facing, is setting you up for greater victories later on. I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but that's where the prayer comes. We have to fight. We have to learn to fight and wrestle because what's built in us is muscles to, be, to have bigger battles later on in the future and experience greater victories. But we can't give up midway. We have to pray until something happens. We have to pray till it's complete. And sometimes that means 
praying until there's nothing left to pray for. Where either the person gets healed or they get healed in heaven. See, we don't get to determine how God answers our prayers. But we just determine that we're going to pray until something happens. We're going to be faithful until the very end. Very often, God loves to show that he's real and powerful as we persevere in prayer. But he wants to do it through us. I wish God would just do it, but he wants to do it through you and me. And that means we got to grow up. Amen? we got to get beyond falling apart because the girl doesn't like us anymore. we got to get beyond giving up on God because he didn't answer our prayers for X, Y, or Z. we got to get, get, get stronger than that. Amen? Because there's greater victories that God wants us to experience, not just for ourselves, but for others. And that leads to the last point here. When we persevere... Greater faith and resilience are developed for greater victories in the future. Greater resilience. Greater faith and greater resilience is developed in us for greater victories in the future. Elijah travails in prayer three times, prays until completion. And verse, uh, back, back to the passage, verse 23, the Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him. He came back. God answered his prayer. And he lived. It says, Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, watch what she says. Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Now I know. It wasn't the miracle of providing oil and flour. That wasn't enough for her. Now I know because you came through in this way. It wasn't enough because I got through that trial. It was this bigger trial. Now I know. And there are people watching our lives that when they see us persevere through the trials that we're going through, someone's going to say, now I know. Because there are people that are watching all of our lives. Isn't that true? And if we persevere, even when it gets hard, if we persevere when things don't go the way that we want, if we persevere when it seems like God's not good, but we say, no, I know he is, and I'm going to keep on fighting, and they see our breakthrough, guess what they're going to say? Now I know. You told me all this before and I didn't believe you. But now I know because I've seen it in your life. If we give up midway and we quit, we don't give them that now I know experience. We have to persevere. But it wasn't just for the widow. It was for Elijah too. Because I think Elijah wrestled. You read it in the text. You can almost hear it in his voice. God, what the heck, right? But now he's like, no, no, no. He's alive. I think even when he said, look, your son's alive, it was almost like a little bit surprising. Look, your son's alive. Holy smokes. But he needed that. You know why? Because he's about to face a great battle. We'll look at it next week. An epic battle that he would need great faith for. He needed to go through this, but so did the widow. And we're facing challenges right now, you and I are, to build faith in us for greater things later on. You say, oh, man, that's not encouraging to me. You mean there's going to be greater battles? Yes, but there's also going to be greater victories, right? You don't win the championship if you don't train in the gym, and you don't go through small battles on lesser and lesser teams and lesser courts. And lesser, if you don't persevere through those things, you'll never win that championship. We all want to be champions, but we don't like to put in the hard work and go through the, the, the little battles. God says, I've got great victories ahead for you. But you've got to win these battles. Don't give up. Go back to the word. Rely on the word and persevere in prayer. Don't give up. Because God wants to give great victories, not just to us, but through us and to other people. So they would say, now I know. Now I know that your God is God. To help me illustrate this, our two friends of mine, uh, there are pro-side missionaries in Bangkok, Thailand. 
uh, Pastor Tarn and Marissa Liu, and they're going to come up and they're going to share with us some of the battles that they face. Because in, the, in walking out the will of God for their lives, they face contradictions, but they also have been persevering and God's been working through them. So will you help me welcome to the stage Pastor Tarn and Marissa Liu. Come on up, guys. It was a powerful time in the last service. Yeah. I'm just going to turn them loose and let them encourage us with their All stories. Right. So. All right. Thank you so much, Pastor Billy. Uh, such a privilege and an honor to be able to share our story. And, uh, of course, uh, this is my wife, Marissa. You'll see a photo of us on screen. Uh, we also have our daughter who is 14. Uh, her name is Rini. And our son who is 9, He's, uh, his name is Raiden. And then we have our awesome other third son, Sushi, there. He's, he's two and a half. Uh, of course, as Pastor Billy had mentioned, um, we are from ProSide. We have actually been a part of ProSide since uh, Momilani days. Uh, that's a long time ago. But uh, we know that we've been called to a greater purpose. And God has a destiny and purpose for each and every one of us. And so thinking about our journey, I was reminded of uh, the message last week where God was moving Elijah out of one season into the next season. And we knew that our season in Hawaii was definitely coming to an end because God had a bigger call and a bigger purpose on our lives. And for Marissa and I, uh, we felt as if God already planted in our hearts the seed of being long-term missionaries. And so we've been in Thailand now. This will be our 11th year. And just as Pastor Billy had mentioned, you know, even when you're in the midst of God's will, you will face storms. You will face trials and obstacles and as grand as, you know, moving overseas and uprooting our whole family and just having this, this vision of God doing something great through us in Thailand. We had all these ideas, all these plans of what's going to happen and how it's going to look. And, you know, when you think about it, right, it's, it's an adventure. You're going out there and doing the will of God. And you have these this great things like that, that you envision and you want to see happen. And we were believing that. Of course, along the way, though, there were so many battles that we had to endure, that we had to face. And, you know, along the way, it didn't seem like God sometimes was in the picture. And then when we would question ourselves along the way, God, where are you? You know, I thought you called us to this place to do great things. I thought you called us to do amazing works in your name. But whenever we faced those trials, we, we would have sometimes doubts. We, there were so many times we felt as if we wanted to give up, that we wanted to throw in the towel and we say, we're done with this already. This, this is just too hard. I, I don't even know if you really called us here, God. And we would have these thoughts where, man, it's, it's, it's just too hard already. But we always had to rely on the call that God had on our lives and have to go back to the word. God, you called us here. But I want you to hear through my, my wife as uh, we face difficult challenges, a lot of hurdles that we had to go through uh, together. But God was doing something in the midst of all of that. As dark as those seasons were and all the seasons of depression that we had to face, God was still at work. So even as Pastor Billy was sharing, you know, the story of the widow and Elijah, you know, even in our own lives, we went through something similar. 
And so we actually lived in Thailand two times. This is our second time living there. The first time we lived there, we just went up with our daughter. She was just a few years old. And when we got to Thailand, you know, we thought, okay, we're, we're here. We made it. We sold everything. We gave everything up. We gave up our life in Hawaii. We left our family and our friends. And God, we're here to do your work. And so we were settled in, and we thought, okay, you know, it's about time for us to have another kid. You know, our daughter was a few years in, so we thought, okay, we're going to start trying. <clears throat> and soon enough, I got pregnant. Well, three months after that, I had a miscarriage. And when I had that miscarriage, I was so upset at God. If I'm being real, right? Anybody in here get upset with God before, right? Okay, so I'm being real here. I was upset with God. I said, God, what in the world? Like, we literally gave up everything for you. What more do you want from us? I gave up our family. We gave up our home. We gave up everything. And now you take our child away. And I was so distraught and I was so mad. And I remember just putting up walls and I was like, God, don't talk to me. I don't want, I'm done. I'm like, we're going to move home. I'm done following you. I don't want to be a missionary anymore. I don't even want to be a Christian God because I'm so mad at you right now. And I remember just feeling so hurt and broken and upset. And I was just shutting off God. Everybody was closed off to me. And I was trying to run. Because I just was going through my own thing. And I thought, God, what else do you want? And it came to a point where I, I was like, you know what, God, I can't run away from you anymore. I can't continue to hide. I can't continue to be mad because I know that you're a faithful God. And I know that you've been faithful enough to bring us all these years, to bring us to Thailand. So I know that even if we're going through this difficult challenge, that you're still God. And even as Pastor Billy was sharing, is we live in a fallen world. And that's what God spoke to me. I kept asking God, why? Why? I don't understand. What did I do wrong? And God just simply said, you live in a fallen world and in, in like that scripture in this world you will face many troubles but take heart I have overcome the world and so you know we went through that difficult situation and said okay I was I trust in God and God okay we we love you we're still going to serve you we're here in Thailand and soon enough I got pregnant after that but three months after that I had another miscarriage and I thought well you know what? Because I had gone through that first battle and I dealt with God in that time, when we had the second miscarriage, I said, you know what, God? This is hard. This is difficult, but I'm choosing to trust you, that you're a faithful God. And what I think is really hard, I know that you're going to turn it around for good. And I know that you're going to take it and make what I think should be my own plans and purposes. You have a better plan and a better purpose. And so uh, after we had our second miscarriage, Pastor, Pastor Norman, in his wisdom, he said, you know what? You need to come home. Ministry will always be there. Thailand will always be there, but your family comes first. And so we moved home. And sure enough, a little while after that, we got pregnant with our son, Raiden. And if you know our son, Raiden, he is like three to ten kids all wrapped in one. He's got a lot of energy, a lot of uh, talking, a lot of... Uh, excitement happens in our house. So God definitely multiplied our joy in our son. But you know, God, we were, when our son was born, it, we could have settled back and said, okay, you know what? We're not going back to Thailand. We're comfortable here. But we said, no, God, we know that you've called us back to Thailand. And so a year and a half after our son was born, we moved back to Thailand and we were excited to be back in the nation serving God. But a few months after that, I got pregnant and then I had another miscarriage. 
And, you know, through these trials and through these things that kept happening, I could have easily gotten angry at God and said, God, I'm done. I'm not, I'm, this is too much. But through all of those trials, just like Pastor Billy said, you want to win the victory. You want to win the fight. It comes with the little battles. Are you faithful with those battles? And so we just continue to trust God. That, and I just want to encourage you this morning, whatever battle you're going through, whatever situation that you feel is impossible, this is too much, God. I can't handle it. I don't know what to do anymore. Trust and believe that God's plans are better than your plans. His ways are better than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And what we think is the best, know that God has something even better for you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And it, uh, those are just some of the battles that we had to face. Even in that, that third uh, episode where Marissa had that miscarriage, she was uh, bleeding out heavily. She was hemorrhaging. In fact, she almost died. Uh, and as we were there in the hospital room, you know, the doctors come running in. They're pushing in the, the crash cart to use the defibrillator because she was going in and out of consciousness. And I had to watch all of this unfold. And so, uh, you know, I was going through a traumatic moment as well as my kids. And we didn't have any family there at the time. We had no one to really depend on but each other. And so, as we mentioned earlier, you know, so many thoughts and, and these ideas of, God, where are you? God, I, I thought you brought us here, you know, for, for a purpose and a reason, but it feels as if we're hitting wall after wall after wall. And it was, it was so difficult to run and jump over each hurdle. But as we continue to be persistent, as we continue to, to trust God, even in the hardest and darkest moments, God started to reveal his love for us. And he kept reminding us uh, through his word as we were persistent and trusting God. Because even when we were faith, faithless, he is continuing to be faithful in our lives. And, um, you know, it's just so amazing as, as we think about the journey, as we look ahead and how God's hand was always upon us, right? God is starting to reveal how amazing he is because we serve a big God, right? Because we can get so caught up in our situation that we tend to make the situation bigger than who God is. But God is the God of the miraculous, right? He is the God of more than enough. And so as we, we looked at him and put our focus on him, the Bible says in, in James chapter 1, to, um, the, uh, the, joy, the joy of the Lord, or excuse me, what was the scripture again? I totally forgot. See, I was so excited. I forgot the, the scripture. But it said, uh, take heart, right? Because uh, that we're going to face trials of many kinds. Take, be joyful, even in the trials, even when it doesn't make sense, right? Because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And we had to continue to persevere through all of that, knowing God had something great and amazing ahead of us. And so through all of that, God started to open up doors even to the, the people around us and communities around us and use us for his glory. And that we started seeing people being drawn near, being drawn closer. We started inviting people. God started using us to, to reach out and build communities of people. And so we started doing these, these gatherings. And more people started to gather around. And as we had these gatherings, we started to believe that God was do, already doing something bigger than what we had even planned or imagined. And now uh, we're believing that at the end of this year, in November, we're going to do our own church plant at the end of the year. So whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, like you need 
You need to just trust the process of God and believe that God is working out something on our behalf. Amen. 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 Stay up here for just a yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Give, give, give them, you can give them a hand. Thank you yeah. guys for sharing that. You know, through all the trials and the contradictions, that's what the Lord is wanting to develop in us, that resolve, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? That initial, that first time, that, that anger, that frustration, we all go through that. And thank you, Marissa, for being real. You know, I think sometimes in church we try to pretend, oh, everything's fine. How you doing? Oh, praise the Lord, brother. When you're falling apart, sometimes we just got to be honest and real with God, first of all, and then real with one another. But we don't stay there. Right? We don't stay in that place. We pull one another out of that. But what God was after, I think, is to build that resolve in you that no matter what happens, mm. we're called to Thailand. And, you know, as you were sharing, mm. man, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, you know, the enemy's been trying to keep you guys out from that country. Mm. That's why you could never have a baby there. He wanted to scare you guys into coming home. Everything works here in Hawaii, but in Thailand, you can't have a baby. And I felt the enemy was just trying to keep you guys from going back. Because he knew that not only was there a child in your womb, there's a church in your womb. And I think the enemy wanted to keep you guys away, to scare you from ever going back. And when you went back to, to confirm it, see, you can't, you can't thrive here. Just go back home. And I know you guys have probably wrestled with that. Because he knew what was coming. There's a church in your womb. There's people in your womb that are going to be born spiritually. Can you stretch forth your hands? I just want to pray for them. Father, I thank you for Tarn and Marissa for taking that faith step to leave the comforts, to leave the security, to face opposition, and to keep on going back. Thank you for that. And Lord, we just break this curse that's over the spirit of childbearing. We break that curse in the name of Jesus. Because just as there were three stillborn babies, the enemy wants this church to be stillborn, but we break that in the name of Jesus. And we unleash your presence and your power that this church will be not just fully born, but it's going to thrive and it's going to plant churches and impact the people of Thailand in ways that you guys can't even imagine. And I pray, Lord, that you would return to them everything that was lost, God, and that in this next season, they're going to see many lives born spiritually, many leaders born spiritually and born again. That's going to impact the nations, God. But we break this curse of stillbornness in the name of Jesus, and we pray your spirit that gives life and health in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you guys for persevering. Amen. And you know what? You guys got three babies waiting for you in heaven. I just want to tell you that right now. And if they're all as energetic as Raiden, eternal life is going to be real fun for you guys. The enemy loves to try to stop us from doing the will of God. And if Tarn and Marissa quit and stayed home, there's tons of lives that wouldn't be reached in the years to come. What about for you? How's the enemy trying to get you to quit right now? How's the enemy trying to lie to you, say, God doesn't love you? Just give up. We got to persevere. Amen? Because there's lives on the other side if we don't give up. Will you close your eyes with me? Father, I just pray right now. As we wait in your presence, and all of us have different levels of challenges, different levels of contradictions that we're facing. God, we choose to put our trust in you. Just right where you are, I'd like you to picture whatever that challenge is, whatever that obstacle, that mountain, that trial is. And just as the widow had to hand her son to Elijah, I want you to imagine handing that trial, not to Elijah, 
but to Jesus, the risen Son of God. Just, just envision yourself placing that trial, whatever it is. It could be a person. It could be a need. It could be whatever. Placing it into Jesus' hands. I want you to see his nail-scarred hands receiving that from you. I want you to see his face of love and compassion over you. Not of judgment or anger. Place your burdens in his hands this morning. And Father, we thank you that in you is hope, in you is freedom, and it's through your nail-scarred hands, it's through the wounds that you bore on the cross that you took our curses, you took our sin, you took our brokenness. And Jesus, I pray, just as Elijah prayed and that boy came back to life, that you would bring these things back to life. God, we trust you. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our burdens. We trust you with these contradictions because we know that you are a good God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all stand together?